Welcome to the Fast Brackets Podcast, where we highlight the cars and stars of top sportsmen and top dragster drag racing. I am your host, Mega Rex, coming to you from the heart of Indianapolis, the racing capital of the world. Welcome to the show, guys, girls. Today's episode number 58 is the last week of September uh, 2020, and I'm feeling good this week. I did something I have not done in a while, and that is I paid the entry fee and I staged up a car this weekend. Unfortunately, it was not uh, the normal race car, but I was feeling a little cooped up, not really myself, and I woke up on Sunday morning and it was absolutely gorgeous here in central Indiana. So I grabbed the shoe polished, I hopped in the grocery getter, and I took a trip to the local drag strip down to Brown County Drag Strip. That is in uh, uh, the south-central area of Indiana, and it was just gorgeous down there. So it's just a little outlaw drag strip, but I wanted to stage it up before the season was over because, you know, it had been about 30 years since I last staged up a streetcar, um, and I think 30 years ago um, I borrowed the old man's pick up truck when he was out of town, and uh, took it to the drag strip. That was the old gateway uh, drag strip in St. Louis at the time. I think that truck, I had to put a 21-second number on the window of that truck first round um, when I did that. And then I'm pretty sure I got a flat tire on the way back. Um, You know, this was when I was 16. I got a flat tire on the way back from the track, and I had to be creative with my excuse on where I was and how all that shook down. But uh, I think the old man like just kind of let it go that there was that little trace of shoe polish still on the window. Um, you know, kind of looked the other way with that uh, for whatever reason. So, so that was good back in the day. And it was good again this weekend. The new Camaro is a little better to the eighth, but I didn't truly win any more rounds it just uh it's going to take me a few more times to figure out uh, the best process to cut a decent light with that thing but reeling them in again and driving the stripe was an absolute blast so you know just it it was fun to put the helmet on again and turn the stage bulbs on so i'm in a really really good mood today um that is first and foremost but we've got lots to cover in this episode for you today we've got great guests for you today we have first of all we have Cody Weber. He's your 2020 JEGS All-Star Top Dragster Champion. And then we've got Raleigh Miller, the NMCA General Manager, coming on to talk a little NMCA heads up racing. I can't wait to get it get them on and let, let's let, let's get to it. So get to doing whatever it is that you do while you listen to the show. Make your commute, clean the shop, work on that old heap. But metaphorically speaking, get your helmet on, get strapped in because here we go. All right, let's make a pass. Let's get these things hot. Let's put it in the water box. Uh, So NHRA had a real humdrum, nothing doing week this last week. I mean, they only had two announcements. Uh, First of all, their Fox Sports deal TV has been renewed for multiple years. And then the second announcement was that the Coca-Cola Mellow Yellow isn't going to be honoring their last two years of their sponsorship. And get this, the NHRA is suing the cocaine syrup for the remaining cash on the contract. Oh, wait, 
That is actually huge news, and the internet is happy it didn't fall apart uh, to see the backlash of these two announcements. I mean, this is maybe the two biggest announcements that have come out of Glendora in a long, long time. And let's break it down this, uh, this, well, we've got good news and we've got bad news down here for you. First up, the Fox Sports News deal is great news for our sports. Uh, we spoke last week about the TV and the pro teams being the front porch of our sport. You know, who who among us hasn't given a John Force reference when talking drag racing to the uninitiated? Uh, TV coverage for our pro classes is vital. It gets eyeballs on the sport, but more importantly, it legitimizes it because even though we can watch essentially whatever we want on YouTube, etc., uh, being on television is still the standard of being legitimate pro sporting event, um, which means you know we get corporate dollars to spend on the things that make it a first class event. So around and around it goes. So I, I think we're all getting there with how important that is, and and it really um, is huge because it is on the major Fox network. It's not on FS2 or whatever, Fox Sports Midwest or whatever it is. It is the major Fox programming. And and supposedly, this is a multi-year deal with some co-branding with the NFL, meaning that there will be some NHRA advertising leading up uh, during the NFL games. Um, and that is a huge thing because even though the NFL is doing their best to destroy their product – they still get more eyeballs than our sport does, and crossover promotion is a good thing. And I've said this from day one of this Rona epidemic, that ultimately being outside is going to be one of the Rona's Batman. And uh, who has more square foot per fan than NHRA? No one. That's who. And assuming the NHRA can hang on, the sport is really well positioned moving forward, uh, assuming it can do a couple things well that I will break down for you in an upcoming episode. That's why the second announcement of the week is troubling. Coca-Cola, the cocaine-turned-sugar salesman of the world, decided to opt out of their final couple of years as the main sponsor. The only problem with that is Coke Zero didn't have the opt-out in their clause. So it really left the dudes in Glendale with no choice but to take that red and white logo and their team full of lawyers to court. Uh, ultimately, this was deemed to be not a good look by the NHRA and that future sponsors potentially won't want to be sued if they need to renegotiate. That being said, I don't think you have a choice if you're the NHRA. Uh, Coke is eliminating, eliminating the Go On Yellow campaign and no amount of I'm sorry's, please come back, baby, roses, and honey-do list is bringing that chick back. She gone, bro. So you might as well keep that ring you bought. Er, I mean, try to settle out of court for about half of what is still owed on that contract instead of graveling and losing all your self-respect in the process of still not getting your cash or that mellow yellow chick back. Um, this is going to get drawn out by the cocaine lawyers, and the NHRA is going to have to find funding until they get their payout. And the best that we can hope for as racing fans are really these two things. First of all, that Coke Zero doesn't air any dirty laundry of the NHRA. 
And I'm not saying there is any dirty laundry. What I'm saying is if there is any dirty laundry, like supposing the NHRA missed an advertising benchmark. Again, I don't know that they did. I'm, I'm not convinced they did. But it wouldn't be shocking given the limited schedule this year and the fan restrictions at those limited events. So if that is true, then let's hope that doesn't get out in public because that would significantly hinder the next group of potential sponsors. Secondly, the other thing we got to hope for as racing fans is that the NHRA finds a better or a better fit of a sponsor. Of course, everyone who buys a ticket and walks through the gates could be a potential client of the cocaine salesman, but wouldn't it be better if there was a good fit from a marketing perspective that truly got the nature of how drag racing fans enjoy the sport? Uh, is that camping world calling? Uh, so that was what happened this week on, on Tuesday. Um, social media hits and Marcus Lamonis, the famed owner of the camping world, uh, tweeted that he would be interested in honoring his commitments and that he saw how it worked out in the drag racing or in the racing community, I should say, with his NASCAR affiliation. So give some NHRA credit here. Allie Brand and her team reacted quickly and had a great back and forth with Marcus and the Camping World folks, which I will only assume will create an interesting conversation about sponsorship of the NHRA moving forward. I mean, that seems like a good fit given uh, essentially how it works and how long we are out. So what I don't know is how quickly the go on yellow branding will be abandoned and um, what will be in its place, assuming that Glendale will be so burnt uh, as to rip it all from uh, the event coming up in Gainesville. So we'll see. Uh, you know, those are those are really interesting things that happened from the NHRA camp this week and some good news, some bad news but maybe we can spin that to a positive. So I say all that to say this, 2020 just keeps rolling, man. Like sometimes it's up, sometimes it's down. Sometimes you just don't know what challenges or opportunities are headed at you or how you need to react to make your dreams work. You know, humdrum, same old, same old 2020. Let's just keep rocking. All right, let's put this thing in the beams presented by thisisbracketracing.com. On with us now from Kingman, Arizona. My man won the Division 7 Junior Championship in 2010. Uh, in 2012, he won the Western Conference Final Pro Class as a 14-year-old. He's got multiple track championships, and he's now your 2020 Jegs All-Star Top Dragster winner with us now, Cody Weber. Cody, what is up? Not much, just hanging out. Right, just Thanks hanging out. Me on. Just shining your Wally. Is that uh, is that what you do there? <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> um, I wish. <laughs> well, you you had a fantastic uh, event in Indy with the Jegs All Stars, and we're going to get to that in a minute. But before we do. Man, take us back. Uh, first of all, tell us how old you are, and then when did you start racing? I'm 22 years old now. Um, my dad bought me a junior dragster when I was eight years old and started racing when I was eight, and the rest is history, I guess. Right, 
Yeah, um, and so uh, you coming from the junior ranks, um, I'm jealous, first of all. Um, didn't have that <laughs> when I was growing up. But uh, um, have, have you stayed in dragsters then? Because like, uh, when I was growing up, I didn't really – I didn't think dragsters were cool, but I mean, since you raced them right from the get, you thought dragsters were cool right from the get go, right? Oh yeah, my dad always ran a dragster and everything like that. So I got it. I I, I always loved dragsters, but uh, when I turned sixteen, or actually I was still fifteen, uh, we got a door car, uh, like a bottom bulb. It was actually a '79 Monte Carlo. Okay. And I raced I raced it for a little while for a couple years. Uh, when I got out of juniors, or actually when I was still in juniors, and that's when I won the the pro championship in in Vegas. Okay. And then a few years later, I started running my dad's super comp car, and then you know we did the ET bracket series out in Vegas and the ET finals and all that. And then we started uh, doing divisionals and nationals, and then you know that leads us to here. Yeah, and you you said you were in Vegas quite a bit, and is that because um, it you you're from Kingman, but is that Arizona? But is uh, Vegas really your home track? Yep, it's our closest track. It's about 120 miles from our house to the track. Gotcha, gotcha. So yeah, I'm with you. And so you were bracket racing in uh, in the uh, door car and the dragster. Um, what what made you make the transition to top dragster? So my first race in Top Jackster was the spring race, the spring divisional in Vegas in 2018. Uh, Shane Thompson offered me a ride in his blower car, and it went like it was a Davis car. It went like 680s, you know. So I ended up not qualifying, but I got in as an alternate. Okay. And then you know went a few rounds and absolutely loved it. So. uh Later that year, the fall race, the fall divisional, uh, Ted Weens offered me a ride, and of course I wasn't going to turn it down. (laughs) So we, and it was a nitrous car. So we, uh, we sprayed it and got it. I actually got in as an alternate at that race too, I believe. It went like low 680s. And then uh, the following year, he offered me a ride for the whole year in another one of his cars. So like, uh, I can't thank him enough. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, so tell tell us about that uh, top dragster car. You said it's a nitrous um, setup that you typically drive. The one that I typically drive, it's a 2013 Race Tech. Uh, it's got an all-aluminum 632. Uh, it's got, like, I think they're Dart 11 Gree heads on it. Mm-hmm. It was built by Madcap. And out here it'll go, like in good air, it'll go, high 680s on motor and then we spray it to you know low 660s when we need to but out here it's not as not as bad as back east where you're from you know so we rarely have to spray it yeah usually a 660 will get you in for the most part oh absolutely usually out here in division six and division seven they're 48 car fields so usually we don't even have to spray. Usually we can just run it on motor and go 690, you know, and don't have to worry about it. Right. Right. Makes sense. Yeah. But you didn't, you didn't get that luxury though of driving your normal car at the Jegs All-Stars, right? Yeah, absolutely not. Yeah. Well, I, I had the choice, but I chose to drive the other car because I, I wanted to have some shot at qualifying. The other car, I, you know, 
going six eighties in Indy isn't going to get you anywhere. Right. So, uh, yeah, I drove the, a pro charger car of Ted's and yeah. Had you, had you driven that car before, before we brought it out here? Uh, I drove it last year at the Vegas divisional and I lost first round. And then I drove it in Denver earlier this year. So yeah, staging for the Jags All-Stars was the third race in it. Okay. All right. So you had a little yeah. bit of familiarity with it, but, um, but you hadn't, yeah, you hadn't and, made a lot of passes. Yeah, they're both race tech cars. So, I mean, they're both set up very similar. Just one's 30 mile an hour faster than the other one. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. right. That, that's about the only difference, the main difference. But. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and, but you do have some familiarity with those cars, right? I mean, you want to tell everybody what you do kind of as your nine to five? Yeah, I'm kind of, I'm their maintenance guy, so to speak. I do a like, you know, I maintenance, I'll service all the cars and sometimes I drive the rig places, but most of the time Ted does all that and, you know, change oil, do all the maintenance every day, you know, so. Yeah, because Ted's That's got kinda, uh, he's got a nice um, group of cars, right? He's got the whole. Uh, oh yeah, he's got he's got five dragsters and a super gas Corvette. Okay, All so right. yeah, he keeps me busy. <laughs> <laughs> I bet, I bet. So that's yeah. your your job is to keep those all maintained and ready to roll. Uh, yep, yep. So you weren't unfamiliar with that car, but it was you didn't have a lot of laps in it for sure. Yeah, it just didn't have any very much seat time in it. So yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. But uh, you got comfortable pretty quick in that dude. Yeah, you, you kind of have to, you know, especially in Indy. You know, you can't uh, you can't be screwing around when you're going that fast too. Right. Uh, had you ever been to Indy before, or was this the first time you'd uh, entered the gates? Nope, that was the first time I went through. I went there, yeah. So, talk us through a little bit about your impression, and you know, when that you first uh, got here and your trip and all that. Our trip. Uh, so we left the Saturday morning before the race started, and I think it's about, if I remember right, it's about a twenty-five hour drive straight through. <laughs> from kingman where i live yep so uh we drove to just outside just on the other side of oklahoma city the first day and then went to craig sullivan's shop there it's about 10 miles from the track in indy Uh sunday night we stayed there that night and then just kind of we tried to make a little vacation out of it we uh monday we went to ims and did the tour and all that and that place is really cool. It's a uh, it's a lot bigger than I thought it would be. Yeah, it's kind of amazing, isn't it? Like when you look yeah. and and you think about how how much history is there, and then just how enormous that place is. It's, yeah, uh, yeah. It's fascinating. I mean, they got a golf course inside of it. <laughs> right, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, there, well, not, not a whole one, but you know what I mean. Now, there's a great map uh, um, that. It kind of it's an aerial view and it has the Indy 500 and then it's got all the stuff that could fit in it and it's like obviously the golf course and then Yankee Stadium and then there's um, I don't know Bristol NASCAR track and th- there's a handful of like very huge things that all can fit in there and it's it's just kind of amazing really when you think about yeah. it yeah yeah it, it was insane when we were driving around the track it was it was a pretty cool experience yeah. Um, so then you you load this thing up and like you say you you've got a little bit 
uh, more to this thing, and you're, you're uh, so you can qualify for the main show. Um, how did how did the eliminations work for you? Like, uh, did you get away with one, or how did how did it work for you? Well, I thought I could qualify. I ended up not qualifying for the main show. I think I was about that was the second alternate. That's right. But uh, I, I ended up getting in as an alternate. But uh, let's go back to the All Stars first round. Going into first round, I was I was I guess you could say I was bummed because I was running Super Comp as well. Okay. In my dad's car, and my brother had his car running Super Comp, and they ran first round of Super Comp Friday morning, and I just I don't know what I was looking at. Wasn't paying attention. Lost where the finish line was, and took way too much stripe, and lost. Uh, and then about thirty minutes later, my brother goes two thou red. So we were pretty down in the dumps, you know. We're not yeah. feeling too good. I mean, we're still having fun, you know, because you're you're at Indy, you know. It's, it's a big deal. But just the racing part of it wasn't going our way. So going into the first round of the All Stars, I. I had some pressure on myself, you know, because it's a long ways to it's to go all the way back there and not win a single round. It would really suck, you know. Right. And just seeing one win light, even if it was in Super Comp and not the All Stars, would have made the trip worth it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, first round, I got JB Strasweg, and he's a nitrous car and a fast nitrous car. Mm-hmm. So uh, we let go of the tree. I think I was thirteen. And he ends up being six red, I believe. So I run it out. I'm 13 and like mid one above. Okay. So, you know, I'm feeling pretty good. And at this point, the cars moved maybe like eight foul to the quarter mile, which is insane. It's <laughs> amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Between, I guess there's only three runs, but still, when everybody else was moving a tenth, this thing was moving two thou, which. And you know it's crazy. What do you what do you attribute that to, Cody? Um, I'm not sure actually. I just put a set of Mickey Thompsons on it, so that they're, they're actually they were like brand new, but they were a couple years old. Okay. And uh, I went up to Mike at Mickey Thompson and asked him what he thought about it, and he said they'd work great. You know, just do a big burnout and all that the first run. So I can't thank him enough for. You know all the advice that he's given us throughout the years. He helps us on our super comp cars as well. Isn't it like uh, the greatest thing ever when you know somebody you trust says, "Hey, let it rip. Have a great burnout on this one." Like that's yeah, that's like the most yeah. fun we can have, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and and I didn't just do it the one time; I did it every time. <laughs> of course, right? It was working. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, that's awesome. So you get you get by JB in the first round, and you know, yeah, kinda, all right, another time run, all right, good. Let's, yeah. let's stage it I up. Get by him, and I'm starting to, you know, I feel pretty good now. I'm, I hit the tree pretty well, and the car's deadly. So second round, I have Paul Nero, and he's a good buddy of mine uh, from Division Six. Sure. And uh, so let go of the tree and. I knew I didn't hit it as well. I believe I was like 22 or 21 or something like that. And uh, he lights it red, too. I think he was he was double-O red as well. Mm. And so make another time run, and it goes dead five or something like that. I dial up one from a 636 to a 637, and it goes dead five, and I'm uh, 21 on the tree. So 
you know, feeling pretty good going into the final. And they pulled you guys uh, yeah. back pretty quick, right? So they, you felt like the weather probably yeah. stayed pretty similar. Yeah, right? they, they, they kind of hot lapped us a little bit, which I like that. You know, you're in, when you're in a groove, you just want to keep going. You don't want to take another take a yes. three day break. You know, right, right. <laughs> like you can't, like you can at some of these races. Uh-huh. So going into the final, I got Victoria Johnson, and she's another good buddy of ours from uh, from Denver. Okay, and. Uh, so we let go of the, the this funny the final round is pretty funny. So we're I do my burnout, I back up and I'm staging and that the camera that they film, you know, on the big arm. Sure. They got they got it like right in my face. It seems like it seems like it is, you know, when you're trying to stage. So I, I roll in, finally the camera moves. So I roll in and I light one bulb and then all I can see is the shadow of the camera like go across like the like my helmet my visor and i'm like man this is weird like how does it always do this or what's happening right so vicky puts her top bulb on so we bump in and uh i let go of the let go of the button and i knew i killed the tree pretty well um i was 006 she was 19 and we're getting going down the track, and I'm like, man, this doesn't look right, you know. I I killed the tree, or I thought I did. So we get to about thousand foot, and I'm still like almost a car behind her. I'm like, man, at this point, I'm like starting to second guess myself. Like maybe I didn't hit the tree, you know. Sure. So we get down there, and I'm not catching her. So I drop and kill a few mile an hour, not much, to be two above, I believe. On my, I think I dialed down to a 36 in the final, and I went, a, I went 38. And uh, Vicky was a little fast. She went, she dialed 59 and went a 56 or 57 is one of those. Okay. So uh, we go through the finish line, and I look for my wind light, and I don't see it. I don't know if the sun was glaring or what. So I tried to look back over at her at her wall at her wind light, and I don't see hers either. So and then by this time we're past the wind light, so I can't look back at mine. So in the video, it's kind of funny. I'm I'm getting off the track and I'm, I got like my thumbs up, thumbs down. You know, I'm trying to ask people who won. Right. And nobody would tell me. <laughs> so I stopped there, and then uh, a lady told me that I won. You know, so I'm all excited and everything. And then I look over and they're taking the check and the trophy over to Vicky's car. I'm like, wait, I thought you just told me I won. You know, right. so. And then finally, the guy comes over and shows me my name on the trophy. So, oh, it was uh, kind of a, it was kind of a roller coaster of emotions. You know, I went from, I went from mad going going through the shutdown, thinking I didn't win, and then somebody tells me I win, and then it, I think I don't win, and then they tell me I won. So it was, it was kind of cool. But I think we've all probably had a couple of those laps where we go across, we don't know who won, and it seems like an eternity to get to the oh, ticket yeah. booth, right? Like it does, it's only 30 yeah. seconds or whatever it is, but it feels like forever. Yeah. yeah. When you do about 50 miles an hour around the turn, so you can hurry up and get to the time booth. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I, I thought, I thought my parachutes were going to hit the, uh, the barrier down there when right. I went around the corner. I was, right. going in, I was coming in a little hot. Oh, that's, that's brilliant. Yeah. No, we've all been there, brother. And that is great stuff. Yeah. It was, so it was kind of fun. 
Yeah, and uh, so then you know you win, and you're like, man, this is like, man, I just won Indy. Yeah, yeah. At, at that point, I was just trying to take it all in and everything like that. So it was it was a cool experience to do the interview and, you know, all the pictures and everything like that. So yeah, it was they, a lot of fun. They treat you like a pro, I mean, essentially, right? I mean, it, Yeah, they do. And uh, so, did you handle that? You have uh, you know all your uh, Bull Durham quotes lined up and all that. Oh, I, I didn't. I totally bombed my interview, <laughs> <laughs> but I did get a uh, a beer bath, so that was pretty yeah, good. That works. That works. Man. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, you um, uh, totally redeemed yourself here in this interview. So I, I don't I don't care about that. But you did awesome in this one. Um, appreciate you coming up. Before you go, tell us what's uh, what's left on your schedule, man. Uh, for the rest of this year, in a couple of weeks, we got a double divisional in Phoenix, and then the very next weekend is the Spring Fling. Yep. Or the the Fall Fling West is what they call it. Right. And then uh, the weekend after that, there's a double where Thursday, Friday is a divisional in Vegas. And then Saturday, Sunday is a sports national. Yep. So that'll be kind of cool. And then the very next weekend, they're supposed to be having the world, or I guess you can call it the world final since they're not having Pomona. Uh, yeah. But there's, you know, there's kind of, you know, how that goes. They could cancel that any day. Uh, sure. Yeah. And then, uh, and then the weekend after that is our last divisional, so yeah. we kind of got a we got a busy couple or a couple weeks coming up. Yeah, you really do. Um, good news, it kind of comes to you, right? Most of it's uh, yeah, yeah. We don't got to travel across the country to go racing now, right? But uh, <laughs> yeah, and Indy. yeah, you you earned that though, brother. Like you know, the twenty six hours one way is uh, you know it, yeah. you paid your penance to uh, get to race on your home track for a while. So that's that's really yeah, good stuff, right? Yeah. Well, Cody, I appreciate you coming on, walking us through that. That was great stuff. I mean, that's it's really an impressive win for uh, you know a lot of people dream of that. You did it at a pretty young age, so keep yeah. it rolling, brother. Yeah, thanks. I'm uh, excited to go back next year. Hopefully, hopefully it's back in Chicago. I like Chicago. Yeah, we uh, we went there last year because my brother qualified for the All Stars last year in Supercomp. So okay. we were we went there last year, and it, it was a lot of fun. So hopefully it's back there, but I'm going wherever it is. <laughs> yeah, and pulling through the staging lanes there at Chicago is a is a cool setup. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, I like the the stadium effect to it. Uh-huh. You know, pull under the tower, and yeah, it, it's a cool place. Yep. No, very very good. Uh, that, thanks for coming on. That was really cool stuff. We wish you uh, well for the rest of the season, guys, girls. That was your 2020 Top Dragster Jegs All Star Champ. My man, Cody Weber, if you need him. Today's Half-Track Report is brought to you by DragRaceLawyer.com. You know, if you need a lawyer, you know you can turn to Ed Harney at DragRaceLawyer.com. We're not going to beat that up anymore because you already knew that. So let's get to the race report action First of all, the NHRA um, and their Division Four event down in the Texas Motorplex this weekend. They had a double down there, and um, it was a great field for top dragster and top sportsmen. First of all, on the top dragster side, 37 cars entered, and they got nice. That was a really, really nice field there. There were 26 cars that qualified 620 or better, 
and the bump was 641. So that was a really stout field down in Texas. But your number one qualifier with going 610 with a four is Steve McDermott. Um, and he takes that uh, orange dragster right to the front again. Uh, but your winner was Frank Young over Aaron Stanfield. You heard Aaron on a couple weeks ago. Uh, but Frank is 007, and he is uh, 6'12 with a 3 on his 6'11 dial, and that uh, eliminates Aaron Stanfield and uh, earns Frank his second Lucas Oil Drag Racing Series Wally Parks trophy. Um, so congrats to Frank Young for the win in top dragster uh, early in the week. On the top sportsman side, there were 33 cars. There were 18 of those cars in the sixes. Uh, your number one qualifier, no surprise, Darian Bosch. Uh, he's got that 18 Haas Camaro. He goes 630 with a one for the top spot. But your winner is Bob Galitti. He is the number two qualifier, and uh, he, he wins over Kelly Land in the final. Bob Galitti is 007, one over his 636 dial for a 17-pack. And uh, Kelly was a very, very respectable 28 total, but not good enough to stop Bob Galitti from winning his seventh Lucas Oil Drag Racing Series Wally and his second this year. Um, On the second leg of the event, Aaron Stanfield uh, did not like losing in the final, so he goes number one, going 6'10 with a one. So get this, Steve McDermott, um, you know, is number one two days before with that 6'10 with a four. Um, And this go-around, he is 23rd, the qualifier, at 6'18'9". So think about that. He goes from the number one qualifier to the number 23 qualifier by dropping eight hundredths of a second. Um, And I know he was trying to kill a bunch because he didn't want to get a speeding ticket like um, some of the other people did. I know Hudgens went um, a little too quick because the weather got really, really good. Um, And they they would have easily um, put 24 cars qualified between 610 and 620 for that Saturday show. Uh, but it's just amazing, really, when you think about it. You take a number one qualifier who who just is trying not to go too fast, and he goes from number one to number 23. Uh, pretty amazing group of cars down in Texas this weekend. Uh, but your winner was Ron Scott over Jessica Ogden. Ron is 002 dead zero for a two-pack over Jessica. Ron, that's not even fair, my man. Uh, you cannot do that in a final. My goodness. Um, just take your fifth Lucas Oil Drag Racing Series Wally Parks trophy and be a little nicer next time. So congrats to Ron Scott, man. Uh, nicely done in the final. Um, on the top sportsman side, your number one qualifier again was Darian Bosch. He goes 627.5, so he did pick up a little bit. Um, Bob Galitti went 627.5 also. So they tied for the top spot, but uh, Darian had a little more mile per hour, so he gets the number one qualifier. And then Darian goes right to the final round, and he gets the win over Mike Moorhead, who has really had a tremendous start to his top sportsman career, Um, likely would be the rookie of the year, assuming we had a vote for that this year. Uh, But Darian is 004 in the final. And uh, Mike knew that Darian was probably going to be near perfect, and that likely pushed him to be really aggressive and so he goes 002 red 
giving Darian Bosch his fourth Wally and third uh, of this year. Third Wally this year. It's amazing, really. And keep in mind, Darian and that fam were in the semis of both top dragster and top sportsman at the U.S. Nationals earlier this month and lost to the eventual champs on both sides of the those classes. I mean, it's really amazing uh, how far he had a chance to double up at the U.S. Nationals there. Uh, so you knew that MKD team would be in the winner's circle before too long, and congrats to them for keeping it rolling. Um, then we had a little bit outside the box. Then we go east. We go to the Comp Cam Shakedown event um, at Virginia Motor Sports Park. Um, it was 5,000 to win on the top sportsman side there. Um, that it really a great event out there. Um, there were 48 cars uh, registered for the top sportsman group. There, 43 cars made the call for round one. And your number one qualifier was Erica Coleman to the eighth mile. She takes her 908 cubic inch Camaro and goes 388 four at 194 miles an hour. Man, is absolutely blazing uh, for the top spot in that 48-car field. But your winner was Booty Harris over Bill Riddle. Booty has his 01 Haas S10 pick-em-up truck, and um, you know Riddle has the starting line advantage, but Booty runs him down and collects the 5K at the shakedown. So nicely done um, out there, guys, uh, in Texas and on the East Coast for uh, – top sportsman and top dragster action next week i will bring you the nhra division one event from maple grove Um, i will bring you the nhra division three double at the worldwide technologies raceway at gateway motorsports park and then i'll also bring you action from division five event in great bend kansas Whoa, let's get out of the groove for just a minute. Uh, Coming on with us now is the general manager for the NMCA, here to talk about the World Street Finals in Indy this weekend, September 24th through the 27th. Welcome to the show, Raleigh Miller. Raleigh, how are you today, man? Man, I'm doing good. Glad to be with you and uh, enjoying this great weather in Indianapolis right now. So, having fun. Yeah, we're going to have a – it looks like an absolutely gorgeous weekend this weekend, so that's good stuff, right? Yes, sir. Um, hey, yep. we we don't touch a, too much on the NMCA um, here on the Fast Brackets podcast, but um, if you don't mind, could you give us a little history be, behind the NMCA? And, uh, you know, because mostly it's an East Coast uh, action, right? And, um, and we've got kind of a worldwide following. So uh, tell us a little about the NMCA and how you got involved. Well, uh, NMCA uh, started in the late 90s, early 2000s as a, a muscle car organization. Um, the present ownership took it over uh, in the early 2000s. Uh, I came on in, in 2013 as general manager. Uh, and, and the face of the company is, is everything uh, streetcar related. The fastest streetcars in the world is, is our mantra. And, uh, you know, we have everything from pro mod down to uh, your streetcar that you can buy, you know, off the showroom floor, like a Challenger or a Mustang or Camaro stuff like that. So, I have an awful lot of stuff for for folks that uh, are streetcar related. Yeah, you guys have um, what I think is one of the the neatest um, string of of classes. I mean, the classes really go from I mean everything imaginable. Um, you know, you got like you talked about Pro Mod um, all the way to the streetcar stuff, and there's some n- nostalgia 
classes in between stock, super stock. I mean, it's it's really quite a handful, I think, from an organizational standpoint, is it not, to keep all those classes moving? And um, I mean, but from a fan's point, it's great. But from an organizational standpoint, it's uh, you got a lot on your plate, don't you? We do. It's uh, like you said. It's you know we have everything from pro mod and and six other uh, heads up classes that are uh, everything from radial classes to to naturally aspirated small tire class uh, to sealed engine classes, and then we fit in uh, nostalgia super stock. We've got a stock super stock combo that's averaging about fifty cars a race, um, you know, and then uh, six other index classes, and then we have our street related uh, shootout stuff. Uh, so it is it, from a logistics standpoint and track prep standpoint, it uh, presents a lot of challenges, but we've got a great team that, that can handle all that. So I feel like yeah. we're doing a good job with it. Yeah, you, there's no doubt. You um, And you guys have been doing this for a long time. You said uh, like you've been uh, here almost a decade, right? And um, mm-hmm. and and so you're, you really have got that program down where you can prep the track for both the radials and the, the big tire um, slicks and, and all that stuff. Um, tell us a little bit about your role in organizing all of that. Well, my role is as general manager. Um, I, I facilitate all the track contracts that we do for each of our, our two series. We actually run NMRA also, uh, and, and entails everything from staffing, from ticketing to, um, uh, safety to, we run our own safety team. We have our own safety trucks. We've got our own track prep team with Kurt Johnson and total venue concepts contracted to us. Um, our own timing folks, tower folks, staging. Uh, we, we've, you know, set up our own midway. We've got a car show involved at every event. So we have a car show manager that reports to me. So we, we've got a huge staff of about uh, 28 to 30 folks that come in for each event to, to help uh, facilitate these events. Yeah, it's a, it's really a pretty impressive, uh, for our folks on the, the West Coast, it's really a pretty impressive, uh, you know, show to get there. And I've uh, kind of gotten i don't have a car to run in this year but i'm i'm half tempted to bring the grocery getter out and run it here uh, this weekend but uh um now raleigh you've you like everybody else has had some uh issues i guess with this uh corona stuff i mean how have you guys mostly um weathered the storm with it and and how talk a little bit about how you guys have navigated that well, I'm, I'm really proud of the way our team has navigated this situation this year. We've actually uh, going to be able to pull off both our series uh, with five of the six races completed. Um, we're only going to end up canceling one race in each series because of the of the COVID situation. But uh, uh, we've had actually really good events. A couple of them have been back gate only. A couple of them have uh, included front gate uh, with, with uh, 50 to 60% uh, fan capacity. But uh Really excited about what, what we've been able to navigate and, and control. And like I said, we've had a couple of uh, really good events finishing up with our finals here in Indy and then next week in Kentucky with our NMRA brand. Um, but uh, it has been a challenge. I will tell you that. It's been a lot of you know negotiations with state and local officials to get those things pulled off. But uh, I feel like we've done a really good job with it. Yeah, I mean, this, this has been kind of a – a mess of a whole year with all that stuff, right? Nothing goes as it uh, used to go. Everything has to be renegotiated. And just with your indie event here, how has that gone? Do you get fans or um, is it a limited capacity? How's that? How does that work? It is the same capacity as they had for their NHRA national events in the past few weeks. Um, we are limited, but uh, you know we don't feel like we'll, we'll hit that. We are having to control it with math situation and social distancing and uh, you know, all the different controls in place, whether it's, uh, um, 
uh, hand sanitizer stations and, and uh, mass zones on the property and stuff like that. But it's uh, stuff that we can accomplish with our staff and our partner track staff and, and facilitate uh, a good number of uh, spectators along with a large racer count. We're expecting close to 500 race cars on the property this weekend alone. So, oh, that's fantastic. Uh, so again, it's just it's just logistics and making making things happen. You know, moving people around to make uh, to accommodate the restrictions and and make stuff happen. Right. Yeah. No, that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, well, um, and I don't. It doesn't feel like it's this uh, stuff has slowed you down for next year either. I mean, you guys recently announced um, at least a portion of your 2021 schedule, right? Yes, we have. We're releasing each date one at a time instead of the entire schedule as we secure them. Uh, in fact, we're actually going to release today uh, an NMCA Ohio extension contract for five years. We just announced uh, last week an NMRA event coming back to Norwalk for a five-year contract. We've got uh, another big announcement coming on this Friday uh, of a partnership, a long-term partnership uh, for another race, a dual race. Um, we moved our, our Chicago event to St. Louis and uh, have that in place for our Super Bowl event. So we are excited about the, the future and, and where that puts us. Well, I'm yeah, no, I'm I'm excited for you guys as well. And then and then I always like uh, breaking news on the Fast Brackets podcast. So that that's great stuff. We're going to um count yeah. that as a win, right? Um that that's <laughs> good for good for you guys, good for us. That that's really fantastic. Um and I was just looking through here um again at all the classes you guys have. I mean, it's it's really like if you're a race fan, there's there's nothing that kind of gets um, out of your vision here in terms of what you can see if you show up. But uh, if what do you see in terms of classes that a lot of um, our top sportsman racers might might have an opportunity to compete in? What what classes do you see some crossover with that when our guys want to go heads up racing? I would say there's a, a little bit of guys that want to step up from top sportsmen to go heads up in Promont, uh, but that's a big step up. You know, there are some guys that do that, and, and, and we've uh, – facilitated those guys getting the pro mod license and doing that we also have some nitrous cars that fit over into our nitrous pro street class uh, which is a, a big tire nitrous only class that's uh, running eighth mile and and running in the low fours 420s 430s in the eighth mile and and we'll see some guys step over and run that every once in a while and that class is growing we're, we're seeing an average of about 14 to 16 in that class every race um, that's probably the two classes the biggest ones there's there's a few others but uh uh, very individual, you know, uh, on the on the type cars that would fit into it. Uh, then we've got some some bracket classes that we run. Uh, a lot of those cars would fit into the bracket one stuff. So the, you know, the, the uh, super pro stuff that we run each race. That's right. Uh, yeah. So that, that'd probably be the three classes that I would think would would fit uh, top sportsman guys. Yeah, that no, that makes perfect sense. I mean, uh, and it's really what you want to do, right? If you want to stay bracket racing, or if you just you want to see um, if you can let it rip and um, you know, go heads up a little bit. You've got that opportunity for our guys and girls. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Well, Raleigh, um, tell us a little bit about how um, how our people or the listeners here could uh, learn a little bit more about the NMCA and in this weekend's race, and just you know, in the future, if they want to uh, visit you guys and race with you, how do how do they find out about your series? Uh, two two options. The first one, obviously, is Facebook. That's the most you know where everybody's going these days and our, our NMCA Facebook page. Um, the second one would be nmcadigital.com and, and you can click on the header there um, and click on the events link and it'll 
list the events this year, and the, the one this weekend is the last one on that list being the finals, and it'll take you to an event page that'll describe every class and every facet, including car show and swap meet and vendor midway and, and everything that uh, we have going this weekend. And that'd probably be the, the very best place to go to learn everything about the event coming up. Yeah. No, that, that makes yeah. perfect sense, and um, it's it's really informative. I, I was checking it out, and – and uh, it's, it is really informative. All that stuff is on the, the webpage, and, and Facebook is what it is, right, um, in terms of that. So, um, well, um, yeah. Raleigh, appreciate you coming on. I know you've got a busy weekend. You're going to start, uh, you know, parking cars here pretty soon um, as we release this episode. You'll probably be in the middle of it. And so uh, we've got a gorgeous weekend here in Indy. I'm excited to have you uh, on the show and talk a little bit about the NMCA. Well, appreciate the time. Appreciate the uh, you know the exposure for us uh, on your show. Uh, means a lot to us. Yep. Now, um, guys, girls, that is uh, that is Raleigh Miller, your general manager for the NMCA, and uh, appreciate him coming on and talking about the World Street Finals. All right, as we hit the mile per hour cone, presented by theblindmachinist.com. Do not forget to go there and pick up some nice Christmas gifts from Dan Parker. I mean, he's doing some amazing work, but uh, we have to talk about the comp cams shakedown nationals at Virginia motorsports park a little more than we just did. Um, you know, earlier in the section um, when we, we talked race results at the hat track report, but we got to talk a little bit more about this um, because first of all, give Tyler Crossno and the crew some credit for getting that track right after some rain and they went to work, and boy, did they get it right. Um, when they finally got to go racing, the records just started tumbling. Um, they, but, you know, you put a perfectly prepped track with weather conditions that came to them a bit, stacked with guys just trying to rip the car apart, grabbing a new personal best, and you've got a race where everyone is trying to become a superhero there were several new records broken at this event. First of all, Ron Green goes 376 with a zero in Pro 275 for the new record. Jim Halsley goes 3.609 at 209 miles per hour to set the new ProMod Nitrous record. Um, Lou Scuritino goes 373 in Outlaw 10.5. And Louis, I'm never going to say this right, uh, sorry, Louis. Uh, Pedius, um, he goes 4.538 in Ultra Street for the new record. And then Justin Reggio, he goes 4.889 in MPC Real Street, all to set new records there. So there were five records broken. Um, all of those guys um, became superheroes by getting their their records in all those classes. Pro 275, Nitrous Pro Mod, Outlaw 10.5, Ultra Street, and MPC Real Street. But the biggest, baddest superhero of the bunch was Stevie Fast Jackson. He goes 3.502 at 213 miles per hour in radial versus the world trim. Now, to be fair, I don't exactly know what radial versus the world trim is. Maybe I should get someone on here to help me a little bit with that. But I do know this. 3.50 seconds to the eighth mile in a full-size door car is hardly human. 
Those are numbers that seem almost fake. And given where the class was even a couple of years ago, it is amazing to see what they're doing with those cars. And Stevie Fast is an absolute menace to the heads-up door slammer world. I mean, who can stop this guy, really? I mean, what I think is amazing about this dude is that he is doing it in just about any heads-up door slammer class that he wants and is seemingly making things up to challenge himself. I mean, we talked earlier about how he crashed his Pro Mod car in testing before Indy fixed that car in less than a week and won Pro Mod at the U.S. Nationals. Weeks later, he's staging it up in radial versus the world trim and laying down a record pass of 3.502 seconds at 213 miles per hour and then backs it up in the final by going 3.508. Oh, yeah. Um, And also, guess who had the best two reaction times of the event in that class in, yes, you guessed it, the semifinals and the final round. So not only did his opponents need to set new class records to beat him, they also needed to be double O on the tree. Right now, I am picturing Morgan Freeman, who plays Lucius Fox in the Batman Dark Knight movies, uh, when that corporate kid, you know who I'm talking about, says he's going to blackmail the billionaire who spends his free time fighting criminals with his bare hands. Lucius, just incredulous, looks at him and says, good luck. That's how I feel when anyone says they're going to line up against Stevie freaking fast Jackson. Good luck. All right, let's bring this thing back in. Let's take a peek in the other lane. Let's do it. Let's take the stripe. Guys, girls, that is the show. It is time to pull the shoots on episode number 58. There it is. There's the wind light and the beautiful sound of Gloria. So good. Guys, girls, we had a great week this week. First of all, we had no Roadster talk, so that's always good. Uh, We got you up to date with the NHRA good news, bad news scenarios. And we spoke in-depth with our guest, uh, first of all, Cody Weber, the JEGS All-Star Top Dragster Champ, and then Raleigh Miller, the NMCA NMCA General Manager. Those guys were both great. Appreciate them coming on. But if you have comments, questions, or curse words for me, you know that there are three ways to get at me. First of all, you can do that on the Facebook page using Messenger. Second of all, you can tape it to the back of Stevie Fast Jackson's Camaro, or you can use the email fastbrackets at outlook.com. I hope you enjoyed it. Keep the rubber side down and travel safe. Wiffle Wall Stadium in your backyard. It's so good. It's like Kevin Costner, like you plant on your corn. If you build it, they will come. Are you? And speaking of that, are you playing tonight or what? One of these days. Tonight, brother. It's now or never.